0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and I'm a nutritionist and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens.
2: I run Strength Guild, Oh uh, USF Lift for Hope. I'm a coach, powerlifter, trying to be a boxer amongst other things.
3: Nice. And this is John Mike. I am assistant prof and exercise science team member and columnist for EliteFTS.com. Writer for other fitness and consumer bodybuilding types of magazines and um you know having some coffee and it tastes good.
0: Yeah, necessary uh this early.
2: Yeah, I've been we've been like chowing down the coffee over here from all kinds of different places, but that's good stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how some of that stuff with coffee on your end pans out. Yeah. Uh let's see. We've got a little bit of science news, we've got some uh industry related news we're just going to talk shop today everybody it's mid-december it's not quite time for a you know year-end review or look forward to next year and that kind of thing yet mm-hmm. um, so it's just sort of one of those weeks people are relaxing hopefully um you know it's just christmas season there's a little bit more time off here and there for a lot of people and we're just going to talk shops so. strength and muscle sport news um let me offer one thing that uh i got across my desk from the science news thing this is sports med november uh, of this year this is tipton so listeners if when you see guys like tipton talk he's he's one of those guys that worked in robert wolf's lab anything with like protein synthesis stable isotopes a lot of that sort of stuff a lot of what we know about muscle building and protein synthesis uh, and breakdown and that sort of stuff comes out of guys like tipton Violo, um robert wolf or if Those are all, like, the guys down around the Texas area or the Toronto area, you know, guys like Stu Phillips or uh, Nick Bird and and those guys. But so this is from Tipton. It says nutritional support for exercise-induced injuries. And it's just sort of a a follow-up to what we've been talking about with recovery and whatnot. But it says nutrition is one method to counter the negative impact of exercise-induced injury. Now, I think he's going to talk more about actual time off from being hurt and not just sore muscles, but he says, following an injury, an inflammatory response is initiated, and while excess inflammation may be harmful, given the importance of the inflammatory process for wound healing, attempting to drastically reduce inflammation may not be ideal for recovery, and we touched on this a little bit in the past, right? I mean, there's a certain amount of inflammation and even oxidative kinds of stress that you need that are actually good. So when you overdo the attempts to suppress inflammation completely, or if you overdo the antioxidants, they sort of backfire. Uh, injuries severe enough for immobilization of a limb result in loss of muscle mass. I think that should be obvious to people. It says loss of muscle results from reductions in basal muscle protein synthesis and resistance of that muscle to anabolic stimulation. Uh, it's one of those things that's almost inevitable. You have to take some time off if you're really hurt. Uh, Now, this is where it gets interesting. Higher protein intakes, 2 to 2.5 grams per kg per day, so that's up over a gram per pound Mm -hmm. potentially, seem to be warranted during immobilization. At the very least, care should be taken not to reduce the amount of protein. It says there is also promising, albeit preliminary, evidence for the use of omega-3 fatty acids and creatine to counter muscle loss and or enhance muscle hypertrophy respectively and then it says basically uh the overriding nutritional recommendation should be eat a uh, you know well balanced diet minimally, minimally processed foods whole foods that kind of thing so the really high protein and omega 3 stuff i've seen that a little bit for the whole you know uh preventing atrophy thing so if you are injured enough you got to take some time off uh Really high-protein omega-3s may be the way to do it. And it's interesting, too, because when you're hurt like that, you might think, well, I'm not training. Maybe you don't have your pre-post-workout protein shake. You know what I mean? So you'd almost have to remind yourself, yeah, keep the protein as you know quite high, and then the omega-3s and whatnot. So a little bit on exercise and just injury from the, from the science world.
2: Good stuff. Um, I got one thing I wanted to mention to you, and it's kind of on this. Same line here. I am seeing it lately. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but people are pushing now collagen. Yes, protein powder. I have
0: actually. <laughs> yeah, actually. <absolutely. laughs>
2: and like, well, I'm looking at one here, and it's two pounds for forty six dollars of beef gelatin. <laughs> wow. I'm like, dude, I can go to the store and grab that for like. <laughs> yeah, buy. I mean, you could,
3: yeah, I mean, you could buy five pounds for like that price from whey protein. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's like, when did this it, – it, six months ago, this was something we were hoping they weren't shoving into our containers
0: for that price. You know, it might stem from – there was a paper uh, – I think I might have mentioned it a few weeks ago, but there was a paper. It, they fed older men. Um, it was either collagen, gelatin, something, uh, and it actually seemed to help some with muscle gains during resistance training, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that's even possible. I mean – uh, a lot of our listeners know, right, you you have to have all nine or, or ten, depending on how you look at it, essential amino acids for a protein to be complete, right? Animal proteins are usually complete, collagen and gelatin. They're so incomplete. They're so lacking in essential amino acids. I don't know how they could possibly help with muscle gains. But the paper suggested that it was statistically significant. They actually had enhancement um in muscle gains with resistance training, with the collagen added to the resistance exercise. So no idea how that – you know that seems to defy everything we know, like you were saying, Phil. Like we usually want that, mm-hmm. those – I mean there's a handful. Was it like? Four amino acids in those proteins? They're mm-hmm. pathetic. So I don't know where that's coming from, but it sounds to me like, based on what you just said, the industry is already jumping on this stuff.
2: Oh, big time. I mean I just Googled it, and I have pages full of it. And they like this other one, bulletproof collagen protein. It's freaking thirty nine dollars for a pound.
0: Well, they probably love it <laughs> yeah. for, because, like you said,
2: and all it's the beef industry's staring it up, man. Too, they're like, "Ooh, we get to sell this crap."
0: <laughs> right, right on.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that's just something interesting. But um, on a, on another note, we had a, a listener question um, from Ryan. And he's Phil and Lonnie. There's a disturbing bicep tear compilation video going around. Lots of guys tearing biceps while deadlifting, some while curling. As someone who is 45, natural, and who deadlifts with a mixed grip, I'm both interested and afraid to learn what causes tendon tears, such as bicep tears and tricep tears. I think both Lonnie and Phil have had these. Is it dehydration? Is it PEDs, which cause faster growth in the highly vascular muscle bones than the avascular tendons? Which can't keep up. Is it age? I know double overhand deadlifts can help avoid this, but I can't put a thumb on, but I can't do the thumb oh. squeeze thing. I think he's talking about hook grip. Okay, yeah. Please dis- this- please discuss possible causes and solutions. Warm up, stay hydrated, use double overhand deadlifts um, on an oncoming show. Thank you. You guys are awesome.
3: Well, I think, um, and that's actually a really good question, actually. And, um, uh, I don't think PEDs would, PEDs would not be my first or even second choice would probably be way down on the list. But um, I think, you know, one of the things I've seen with, I mean, and, it's, and we've talked about this before in terms of like grip and, you know, like when I, I've done a lot of deadlift seminars this year. And one of the things that I, that I like to teach people is start using a double overhand grip at first, because when you start using a, a, a alternate grip or mixed grip, usually um, they start to develop some dominant non-dominant issues and some, you know, asymmetries on, on the left and right side. Um, but also, like when you use a, a mixed grip or alternate grip, typically your your underhand needs to be about a half inch to an inch out a little bit wider. So when you start to pick the bar up off the floor, it doesn't start to windmill, okay. Um, and then also too, and, and I've made this mistake before in the past, whether it's with a double overhand grip or like especially like with a hook, with a hook or not hook grip with an alternate grip, people like as soon as they start to pull the bar off the floor, they 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 like to kind of flex their Mm -hmm. their arm a little bit like like they're trying to curl it instead of actually using the arms as just an anchor right just to hold the weight and then actually pull the bar with the rest of their body um and and you can tell when this happens because usually with your it usually happens on the side with your underhand grip um after like you know several sets you'll start to kind of feel a little bit of tension more tension than usual or tightness in that um, side of the arm that you use for the underhand grip. And so my suggestion with that for first would be, you know, one to see if you need to move your hand, place down about, you know, a half inch or so out wider. And then two, actually practice just holding the weight and using your arms as the anchor and just pulling with the rest of your body. And then when you start to initiate the pull off the floor, kind of sit back a little bit, like you're going to fall backwards um, because you always want the bar pad to move up and slightly back as opposed to straight off the floor. So that I've seen that a lot of people, especially with the underhand grip. They like to kind of like slightly curl. And, it, and, it, and it, it's very subtle. And you really need to lo- know what you're looking for. And that right there is... It, to me, is more than enough cause for concern because I mean, when the, I mean, what are you going to do when he got six hundred plus pounds on you? Going to try to like curl this shit? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I think I think those are the first two things that you really need to look at.
2: Yeah, and that's a, that's basically what I I gave him a short little answer on there and told him we addressed it on the air. But I think it's less PEDs and more several things like what John mentioned. It's a form issue, yeah, and it's not. And, you know, I train people to lock their triceps out when they're deadlifting, your arms are just ropes. You want your arms long and just – I'm sorry, you're not going to curl what you can deadlift. Exactly. So there's no point in bending your arms. It's not helping at all. And so you got to train yourself to do that. And most of the tears come on an issue like that. It's where you're trying to pull on something that is way heavier than you can, and the arm gets straightened under load. Um, the tendon kind of stays where it's at, and the arm gets straightened. Um, and, I mean, other than that, I think it's it's also – just a kind of a nature of the beast at some point yes our muscles do grow bigger we get stronger and tendons only get so far no matter if you're natural or you're not natural <laughs> you know i mean i've never seen anybody walking around with huge hypertrophy tendons um it, it doesn't matter who you are so at, at some point it's the nature of a beast, you got some guy curling 315 with a bar well yeah he's taking a risk every time mm-hmm. you know he's just freaking strong and you do 10 million reps over five years every chance there's just greater chances of it happening
3: yeah, and, and I think but, um, I mean, if you
2: don't see it. It's not that prevalent, you know, yeah. as as much as this compilation video. I mean, I've been to a, tons of powerlifting meets and I think I've seen it maybe twice uh-huh. at an actual meet, you know. So, Yeah, and yeah.
3: um I mean, I think all, it's always important, I think too, I mean, just, you know, just to train biceps as well. I mean, and not just mm-hmm. I mean, obviously full range curls, but you know, I like do some isometric holds too or you know, um like iso holds at the top rep or or even like, like partials, I think partials are something that's, that's underrated and underused as well. And I mean, you also have to think, I mean, you can't just be strong in just one range of motion, you know, you need yeah. to be strong throughout the entire range of motion, whether it's holds or not, because I mean, when you're holding 600 plus pounds in your hand, whether it's in you know underhand grip or, you know, or alternate or, or hook grip or double overhead, I mean, you need to be strong er- everywhere, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so I mean, you're, yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: I think I think some assistance work with bicep curls and stuff can help. Um, you know, a buddy of mine John Harith, he blew his freaking throwing hammer. You know, he's swinging around a twenty-two pound hammer and blew it, and it's because his arm was bent. And you know, twenty-two pounds moving fast is a lot of force. So, yeah, um, yeah it's it's things like that. It, it, I don't think. Yeah, I guess PEDs could play a, a, a part in it, but I think you'd see a lot more then. <laughs> at, at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's, you know, you get big, strong power lifters and they move away from doing curls after a while. And it's like, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we need to just not do 200-pound curls. Just get a bar and wrap it out a little bit Yeah, more. some direct <laughs> work I think
0: is good. So, yeah. You know what? A lot of this has gone back for decades about whether performance-enhancing drugs like anabolic steroids, m- maybe more specifically, whether they uh, actually weaken tendon structure or whether they... um. They just make the muscle so big and strong that it tears the mm-hmm. tendon, you know. Yeah. So you'll see it go both ways. I think there there might be some truth to both sides of that, but as far as actual tendon weakening, I would think it's more uh, not that, so much that, but it is the strength. I mean, your biceps is a fairly little muscle, you know. And when mm-hmm. you're talking about hundreds of pounds and huge forces, that's mm-hmm. a weak link. I mean, when you think about yep. what you're going to do a deadlift for God's sake, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I I agree. I think some of the direct work. I also think that. I mean, you guys are talking about what per- percentage it is. Maybe the video makes it sound like there's more. I know uh, I was actually going to submit a case study about a triceps tendon rupture, uh, which was based on my own experience. And those are only 1% of all tendon ruptures, one. Uh-huh. So biceps probably more than that, but still, um, yeah, probably – not as common maybe as some kind of viral video makes it seem. Yes, and that's that's what I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I mean, you've seen them with uh, like tire flips and stuff too with strongman competitors, yeah. and but I mean at the same time, it's it, it's it's a it's a form, it's a technique issue. I mean, you're not going to mm-hmm. flip. T- it's like people want to flip tires like they do, like like they want to bicep curl it. I mean, well, no yep. shit. You know, you're going to get some type of like injury with that. I mean, it may not happen every time, but you're more certainly more at risk. Mm -hmm. you know, for it. But yeah, it just, it comes back to just, just, it usually comes back to some type of technique.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, my left bicep tear was totally my fault. And it's, it was on a tire and it was on the, what we called the girl's tire. They were flipping it. So I joined them and I was flipping it with one arm. And literally on one of the flips, I just bent over and grabbed my arm and curled it and snap, you know, and it was like, oh, that's my fault, man. That's, that was, I I was stupid. Wasn't paying attention.
0: And yet, you know, a lot of times just uh, for the listener's sake, for the question's sake, You don't always have a lot of warning. It's not like you're Mm -hmm. sore and things are happening. I mean, you can't live in fear. You know what I mean? People will just pop some of these things. I'm not saying that's good or you should just throw your hands up in the air. Like what happened to me, Phil, I was also stupid with my triceps. I mean, I was doing direct, almost isolation triceps work, you know, lying triceps extensions, skull crushers, hit heads, whatever. And I had two quarters and two tens on a side. That's just way too much. I hadn't been training. You know, I shouldn't have been doing that. And um, yeah, and I, I might have mentioned this years ago on the show, but it wasn't a pop either. At least with me, it sounded like someone tearing a ret, w- wet uh, rag. It was like, <laughs> it was really disturbing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so there's, but there's not always warning. I just want you to know. I mean, sometimes the forces are just so great on a very tiny little tendonous insertion there. Yep. You know that it just lets go.
2: So, and that's a that's what mine didn't. I mean, I don't know. I watched the video, and it's a lot of the guys were like in pain right when it happened. Mine, there was none. It was just popped. It was like oh, me either. Well. Yeah.
3: that's right. Yeah, yeah. I had oh. interesting. I had a I had a uh, uh, last year. I had a a small micro tear my, in my right um, peck from doing speed overhead work, overhead pressing, um, and and it was because I just really I, I wasn't warming up. I was warming up shoulders and all this other stuff and mobility and, you know, band pull aparts. But I just kind of like during that time, I wasn't doing a lot of warm up or maybe like enough direct like pec work um, or, or not squeezing my back enough doing speed overhead and just kind of had like a little micro, you know, peck tear. And so I just started doing a little bit. I mean, it's been fine since, but like you, you don't really hear about that much. Those types of things, either. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's just like it just kind of. There's like no warning signs. It just kind of happens. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I mean, with as much deadlifting, curling, and benching, and squatting, and there's the the injuries are really pretty low compared to what you you would think. So
0: yeah, the thousands, tens of thousands of repetitions. Yes. And the one that lets go is the one we remember. You know. Yep um hey guys i have a quick listener um feedback i wanted to toss out since we're dealing with that portion here um this guy he wrote into uh rob through the main IronRadio.org page but he said uh, rob thank you so much for passing on my question and even airing it and discussing it um i thought you all provided novel helpful information by the way this is andrew he we we're talking about some unilateral leg work and um hip problems and this sort of thing um you provided novel, helpful information. All the information was appreciated, and the big things I took away from it is the disparity of strength differences between each leg and doing my unilateral work, yoga-slash-mobility. Uh, and also the guest, Eva T., raised a point about mental health. Uh, it has it has been a stressful few months for me, and I'm going to add that as a possibility and focus on that as well. Uh, strong mind, strong body. I've shared your podcast with so many friends, and even before this, uh, you guys were my favorite podcast, but now it's for eternity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, so really nice. He said, thank you, and please pass along thanks to everyone. uh, As I sincerely feel, your input was more valuable, uh, much more valuable than the general practitioner, the Cairo, the PT, etc. Once I'm uh, back in a training cycle, I will send you guys an update uh, with some pics. Have a wonderful holiday. And then he said, wait, some of you are Canadian, aren't you? (laughs) I missed your Thanksgiving. Uh, Anyway, have a blessed remainder of 2015. Cheers, Andrew. So it's just a nice email there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. um, So that's listener mail. That's a little bit of news. (coughs) Uh, We're not – we don't have excessive time today, everybody, because of a technical issue. So we're going to go to break, uh, and we'll just come back with some more talk.
2: I can't stop feeling. Some of us don't understand how lucky we are to
1: be living in this. Land. Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep iron rated in your thoughts. Every week it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly twenty thousand brothers and sisters of iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in, $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better Internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays.
3: Okay, we're back from break. Uh John Mike here, Alani Lowry, Coach Bill Stevens. Um uh, we're just kind of uh talking about gym talk today, uh nothing major. But uh one of the things I, I kinda wanted to bring up was, you know, we were talking about injuries uh, a few minutes ago. And one of the things that I've started to do is and I've always done, you know, my dynamic warm ups and T spine mobility and hip mobility and I and I rotate out certain movements um, you know, every week or, you know, every every few weeks. But um whenever I do like overhead work or you know, floor pressing or, or uh, tricep accessory work is for me. Sometimes I'm, I've noticed, um, and, it, and it comes on and off. Like my lateral head and my tricep, my left tricep, uh, just sometimes just gets wrecked. And uh, I was hitting one of my um, good buddies, uh, Matt Winning, who's been on the show. Uh, he was on the show a few weeks ago, and <clears throat> um, he just recommended that I do um, after you know all the warm up stuff. Um, going into actual warm-up sets for whatever movement. It could be overheads, it could be press, you know, or speed bench or whatever. You know, start out, you know, 50, like 75 reps. Just do a bunch of reps for, like, triceps and just get some extra blood flow, you know, into the muscle, you know, get the tendons nice and warm and loose. And and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could just be, like, some heavy bands. It could be uh, press-downs uh you know, say four sets of twenty, four sets of twenty-five, or just the bar and you know, rotate out some type of other movement, you know, every week, every other week. And I've been doing that the last week and a half. Um and my shit feels really, really good. I mean I I I did close grip um you know floor four presses uh with a Swiss bar yesterday um, are glass three sets of like 265 for sets of 12 reps. And I mean, I, I felt really good, um, in, in, in my arms and my triceps. And, and so that, you know, the take home message is sometimes, and it's like we, we, we neglect certain areas, not really, not, not necessarily on purpose, but just over time because most of us are so focused on, bringing up our weak points but those weak points are usually somewhere revolving around like the big lifts right you know squat bench, deadlift or overhead um so sometimes we just don't think about or kind of get away from those little smaller things um it could be like band pull-aparts it could be you know um tibial, tibial has anterior work for calves or you know other um isolative or not really isolative but um, different various core movements and cross body patterns and things of that nature so um it's always really good to, to to just take care of the actual like joints, you know, itself. And, and a, lot, a lot of times it doesn't always need to be done with with, with heavy weight. It could just be super light warm up, you know, sets before the actual work sets. You know.
2: mm-hmm. I think another one is, and it's something that I do with my clients. Like just had a big meet last weekend, a bunch of my clients, and one in particular, Dow, went in and in the second meet totaled nineteen twenty as a two forty two. Mm. Um, That's awesome. so he squatted 750 easy, bench 425, and deadlifted 744. And, you know, we're talking. I was like, okay, what's next? And, you know, you're, he's a power lifter, of course. It's like, well, we're going to move away from powerlifting. You know, we're going to do some other stuff for a month or two. You know? And people don't think about that. It's right. like, you want to, you want to address your weak areas? Do like I did. Try boxing for a month. It's like, holy crap. You know, right. all these. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 good to do that every once in a while and be a little more well-rounded, and it's going to lead to less injuries if you do the same movement pattern over and over and over and over for years. It's
3: insanity. <laughs> it,
2: yeah, and it just leads to injury. You know, it leads to overuse. It leads to injury. It's okay to take a break and go, "Hey, I'm going to do heavy lunges for a little while." Whatever. You know, <laughs> there's so many more exercises out there that are, and they're going to help. You cannot squat and help your squat. You
3: know, and things like that. It, yeah, it and, depends on what you choose. And also, too, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, and, and going kind of um, extending on what you said, and even what I was talking about it a few seconds ago with the tricep stuff. But a lot of times, when you're when when you're not used to doing those types of things over time, like your work capacity can can significantly decrease. Mm. And then, mm-hmm. and then, when you start to adding those things back again, you'll notice, oh wow, you know, like this feels like really good. Like you kind of notice like your work capacity suffers, you know, because of it because you're not yes. because you neglect either those other types of energy systems or various types mm-hmm. of exercises or even like volume you know most people don't really realize you know i mean three sets of, i mean and 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 that we've all been in this situation so none of us are immune to it but three sets of 10 is really not a lot of volume it's like yeah. it's really little you know mm-hmm. um it's just kind of like with like with speed work with speed bench or like Dallas. <laughs> i mean you know 10 sets of 2 or 10 sets of 3 i mean i mean go go 12 sets go go 15 sets because it mm-hmm. takes sometimes it takes like four sets to just really feel good and get going with it you know mm-hmm. and then you're left with you know the the, the rest of it so you know don't uh, don't neglect like your work capacity um you know even just gpp stuff
2: oh yeah that's one thing that I'm you know since my hip is healed um, I got a new one. Uh, it, it's been a lot of that for me, and I feel great. You know, I mean, my new favorite thing now is I get on the air dine for five minutes when I start, uh-huh. and that thing warms up everything. Yeah, and it's you know it doesn't kill me, it doesn't wear me out, it just gets me ready to go. And you know the ability to do, you know, I'll squat and then I'll do fricking ninety lunges per leg, and you know whatever, you know, and I just feel a lot better. And I mean, I'm coming along. I squatted five hundred. For the first time since surgery the other day, oh, nice. and, and I pulled six fifty.
0: Damn! So
2: dude. you know it's coming right along. Yeah. So,
0: what, Phil? What's your yeah. expectation uh, out of the? I mean, are you expecting um, to meet or surpass your previous bests, or are you you're not? Even I don't know. That?
3: I think
2: I I I haven't allowed myself to even think about that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been thinking about a meet again
3: which i said i wouldn't (laughs) but
2: it's hard to get that out of my blood but if i do that it's like this the first one won't won't be i'm not going to go to break records you know i got it in my head what i want to do is just i will get on a platform and do it if i can hit six four seven yeah and that's nowhere near what i've done before but that's a respectable you know it's a 1700 total and with a freaking fake hip
3: you know, right, yeah. So. yeah well, I mean, so, 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 since I mean, we deadlift 650. Because I mean, I, I know previously, like a lot of your videos of pre-surgery, have you noticed like te- technical differences in the, oh. the way you deadlift now? It's so much easier. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, I mean, I know it's <laughs> like, easier, but just even just like getting into position. Yes. Of, yes. Yeah. Like getting
2: in, I can get to the bar very easily now. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm able to learn Olympic lift again. You know, I can get my hips down get my chest up and I can, I've been doing cleans and snatches nice. and, and things like that. So yeah, oh, I'm, my mobility has, is light years from where it was. Yeah, speaking of, whereas before you'd watch my videos and it'd take me like longer to set up than it would to lift. Yeah. And now I can set up, you know, it's, it's no problem. Yeah.
3: Speaking but, of a uh, contest, I, I'm, I just, the other day, um, I'm, I'm on the beginning stages of, um, uh, looking to do another shawman contest. Um, so it, it, uh, if I decide it'll be, um, it's called beast of the bluegrass. It's actually in, uh, Frankfort, Kentucky they actually have it every year, but since I'm in St. Louis now, it'd probably be a little bit you know, closer, um, to go to, but, uh, um, he doesn't know about the weights yet, but, um, he knows the events and so, yeah, I just, uh, you know, looking to do another contest, but just like you feel I me, mean, it's not going to be some type of, um, you know, super heavy, you know, thing, just mm-hmm. something to kind of get in there and get back like in the mode and. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's like, you know, you have to, that's, and that's why you, people don't understand. It, it's like, they just think, well, all we do is just like go to the gym and, and just move a bunch of weights around. And I mean, and that's fine for most people. I mean, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that, but I mean, when you want to start, when you compete, you know, that's kind of when you graduate, you know, towards training. I mean, if you can, if you, if you stay ready, then you won't have to really get ready. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: So, but, um, yeah, I'm looking at the Yeah.
2: The tough part with me is I'm feeling much better than I thought I would like five and a half months post-surgery.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's kind of amazing. It's like, wow, man, I feel, I feel good. The thing I can't do is tons of volume. You know, I'll get going. I just got to call it when literally it aches where that implant meets the femur Yeah. at a certain point. And it's like, okay, I'm done for the day. You know, and that's when I call yeah. it. And, you know, it's like that hurts, I, and I don't want that thing to pop loose. Are you free squatting uh, or those- like box squatting? Uh, I've done a lot of box squats, and then this week was, basically this week was my test. I went to that meet. Here's what happened. Uh, so I go to the meet. I coach all these lifters. We all do great. You know, Dow won the meet, won $1,000, blah, 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 And I'm like, man, I want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So I was like, I'll go in Monday. I haven't even tried to squat heavy. I said, if I can go in there and I can hit 500 easy, then I'll think about doing a meet. And I went in and, I mean, I smoked it. And it was my first squat, free squat, with any considerable weight. But I've been just doing box squats and giving myself that safety net. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it felt great. I was like, all right, well, you know, shoot, I can do six. You know, if I can do five without touching anything heavy, I can get some training under under me and do six. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what happened.
0: You know, Phil, if I were you, I would wish that there was a study out there about the actual forces involved, like how much weight can that? Like you said, where the implant meets the bone, yeah. How much weight can that realistically handle? Like if you knew yeah. it was like so many newtons, and that equaled twelve hundred pounds on a six. Oh impact, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Then you would you would have a real number, huh. and you wouldn't have to be like touch and go.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing, the thing that's funny you mentioned that because, Lon, you know, I mean, I, I teach a biomechanic class, and I. I mentioned this just kind of briefly in one in one lecture, but that's kind of what you just said. I mean, the, really, the amount of force that that you can withstand in terms of like bone is is really uh, overall. It's really not like a whole lot. It's only like I don't know, like you know, fourteen hundred, maybe two thousand newtons or something like that. But the the point is, is that obviously you know we can we can lift and squat a hell of a lot more then 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 we can kind of bear so the the, the really the one of the underlying physiological types of, of explanations for that is just bone remodeling you know and that's one of the underlying benefits of of resistance training and um and, and just your bones just kind of remodel over time to actually help support heavier loads because if they didn't remodel over time then fuck you could only uh you know Deadlift 400 pounds, you know, or squat 315 or whatever it may be. So, you know, that's the whole nature of just getting stronger and having bone remodeling adaptation over time. And, and of course, as you get older with aging, it, it even becomes more important. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's what That's one of the Lonnie. I know you understand this. But what I'm getting ready to say is like when you see these DEXA studies, for example, where well, they're only assessing something after like eight weeks, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, you're not going to see any changes and you know bone mineral density eight weeks. I mean, why don't you give it like eight months or a year, oh, yeah. or, a, or a year, and then we and then you can talk about
0: something. <laughs> yeah, bone remodeling is so slow. We're talking about tendon remodeling being slow. Bone, yeah, instead of weeks like skeletal muscle, bone is. Months. So uh, yeah. real bone studies go 12, 18 months, maybe even minimally, you know, before yeah. you can see substantial oh, yeah. changes, you know. And that was neat. I mean, you mentioned that
2: uh, when I had all my scans and x rays and done for my surgery and comparing my right side with my left side, the right side being the one who is that has bared like all the weight for the last 30 some mm-hmm. years but the, the bones on that right side were massive. <laughs> <laughs> right. they, they were just like <laughs> glowing white. Right. And, yep. and
0: the yep. left side was like, yeah, those look regular. You know? Right. And You know, my interest would be like uh, maybe we could find uh, like a biomedical engineer. I actually know a guy at, at a local university because we are sharing a DEXA machine for different reasons, but he was doing implants and he was looking at spinal implants and this and that, and he wanted to put the actual extracted spines from cadavers on the machine and that was freaking out some of the clinicians they're like my god you're bringing in body parts you know and, but uh, the you know the whole thing is how these implants where they meet where the where the metal hits the bone the, you know metal hits the mineral how do you how do you optimize that kind of fusion you know cuz like john is saying uh, living tissue remodels and mm-hmm. metal does not by itself metal is probably stronger than the bone and yet it's that juncture, but make yes, no mistake, I two. mean, yeah, but make no mistake, this is not some shallow, <laughs> you know, they're hammering that thing in like a, tr- a railroad mm-hmm. spike, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it would just be curious to me, you know, maybe get a engineer or something to be able to talk about. Oh, no, you know, the bone will grow around that, and that'll, yeah. who knows, that may be able to bear more load than any human can even put on their back. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So... <clears throat> It's a neat idea, though. It's a cool concept if you actually know. No, sweet. I'll tell you, um, my training is not that. I don't talk about it much these days because, you know, I'm at that stage like Eva T was talking about where I'm, I'm trying to just be be healthy, you know, and keep range of motion and keep sort of a, for, for the last maybe decade, I always wanted to keep within, um, targeting distance of a competition. You know what I mean, you kind of keep that in the back of your head. Like for for you guys it might be strength, for me it was sort of the amount of muscle mass and body fat and that kind of stuff and I'm sort of making that transition to just I don't want to lose the privilege of squatting or benching, you know, as my joints ache mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So it's like with coffee or anything else, I don't want to overdo it. So the the key for me is frequency. You know, because of work and everything, I get up really early. I get up at like 4:30 in the morning and I squeeze in lifts before work. And I don't know if a lot of listeners are like this. We've had some people on that were morning larks, and they could lift heavy. I cannot lift no heavy.
3: No way. That's no way that's happening.
0: I'm I mean, useless. I mean, I like, you know, I'm squatting it. We were laughing before we hit the record button, everybody. But, you know, I would, I'll would. do like three or four sets of two and a quarter, or maybe work up 275, 315, just for a half a dozen reps. And one day this past semester, I went in in the afternoon, um, just because I had to, my schedule's all over the place because of research and teaching, but, uh, and I swear to God, all of my weights were nearly doubled, you know, <laughs> because I yeah. went in in the afternoon. The difference is yeah. astronomical for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny though, you're talking about getting in enough volume, John, in the number of sets. Uh, I'm doing either an upper, lower split, uh, or even whole body just for like higher frequency stuff. Cause if you can't put the actual mechanical tension on, I figure I'll make up with it with um, frequency, you know, so the load mm-hmm. during the course of a week, not in a session, like 10 sets of three, but if you, let's face it. If you go in, you do whole body workouts with reasonable weights every day. Mm-hmm. That's a fair amount of volume over the course of a week. So that's, I don't know if we have any listeners in that category, but for me, it's the number one part of exercise prescription that I must comply with is frequency. Number of days per week. Because if I let that fall away, I'm done. Because my loads aren't that heavy anymore. You know what I mean? So that's how I'm going to address that. And if anybody has other ideas, that's fine. But I've literally got like 50 or 60 minutes in the morning before work. So my only hope is, is to keep the frequency up, do that high frequency thing. And I do kind of like parts of it. You know, you're never so crushed that you can't move. It's not like that decimate and wait a week kind of thing. You're just back in there sort of, like to use Phil's term, punch the clock. Um, and the amount of volume, it is is surprising what it can do to maintain or even build some uh, muscle mass, you know, because I, sometimes I think people overdo the intensity on the whole, you know, exercise prescription side of thing, uh, that there's excess intensity, maybe excess inflammation and in recovery times and all that. Uh, and I, I never wanted to believe that when I was younger. And I still like that approach. I still like the blow the doors off and just recover, get really sore and recover. I still like that. But there is something to be said for the not get that sore and walk out of the gym with just a little left in the tank. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff that Fortress used to talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, yeah, it, I mean, It's good for hypertrophy, man. It really
3: is. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, and, and most people think, oh, uh, people correlate soreness with, with good training sessions. And that's really – it's a very actually poor correlator with with. Um, like performance, because I know you know uh-huh. one of my colleagues, Brad Schoenfeld, he he um, wrote an article um, like a few years ago on, uh, or I think it was like early 2014, of how just soreness is a very poor indicator of performance, and mm-hmm. and it, and it's true, but most people think, oh yeah, you know I'm really sore, I must I must have had a good workout. Well,
0: it's satisfying.
3: Can, you know? Yeah, you could be sore and not really have a good, and not really have a good training session. You're just sore because you've just either been detrained or just been inactive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
3: yeah.
2: All right, guys, I got to roll. Cool. Yeah,
0: we're winding down. Hey, um, all right, take it easy, Phil. Yep. All right, everybody, I'm just going to uh, let you go with something real quickly here. Um, uh, lately, I've been doing some uh, articles and talks and stuff like that, and I'm actually putting some of them on our Facebook page. I don't know how many people are actually part of our Facebook group, uh, but I last week I put up something about inflammation and in the immune system and recovery. I'm just sharing this pretty much open, you know, just sort of listener gratitude stuff. Um, I'm actually going to write an article. Uh, I got a, um, an email from Mary Kate Murphy. For, she's a managing editor at Training and Conditioning Magazine.
3: And yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah,
0: they, they want something on, um, like an update on protein and resistance exercise. And there's some really exciting stuff coming out of Robert Wolfe. You know, and the sort of mega protein intakes and that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, that's not actually going to come out till probably late spring, but, uh, so that's in the pipeline. And then, um, I've been doing my usual coffee stuff, actually a couple of public talks. Uh, you know, the local newspapers are there. It's just little local stuff, but I'll put some links, uh, either in the show notes or on the Facebook page or that kind of thing. And for the record, Uh, Those of you who have the Libsyn uh, app, uh, I'm not sure how long the relationship with Libsyn is going to go on, because right now we pay two servers for everything. I like the idea of having a backup server, and I'm not going to cut it, Uh, but that's the kind of place on Libsyn where I could put links, like PDF links, if you got the app and that sort of thing. But um, a lot of the things that we wanted to do with them, I mean, they kind of push us to monetize. And we try to keep the public radio format, frankly. So, uh, a lot of the functionality that I hoped for out of Libsyn, for with it connecting with social media automatically and all this sort of stuff, I'm just not really seeing it. Um, they write their feeds for their podcasts differently than basically everybody else. Uh, because our, our feed validates, that's why you can listen to it through iTunes and Stitcher and the Android apps and everything else. And theirs doesn't like it. So it just, they require things that I'm not going to put six years of rewrites into our feed. Right. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. So, uh, if you do have the Libsyn, App, I think it was only like a dollar ninety nine or something. But for new people, I wouldn't jump on that. I don't want you to get this and then sometime in early 2016 we decide to stop using uh, Libsyn. So and again, yeah, I like the backup server and everything else, but um, and I like to ha- go out through as many channels as pop as possible. But uh, it's not panning out in probably the way I had hoped. But again, we go out through so many channels, it's actually hard to keep track. We have somewhere between 20 and 30 thousand listeners every month. And I can't even keep track because we go out through different channels, you know. So just a little update as far as talks and and Iron Radio tech news.
3: So, Cool. All
0: right, fellas. Well, uh, that's all I've got.
3: Sounds good. Yeah, me too.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, Lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron and if you want something about motivation or daily training Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for there are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store and whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced you can take heart that you're not wasting your time The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So, for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast.